Good morning, everyone. This is Austin Jardine. Welcome to the Vanguard Project. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you tuning in for the first time, this podcast is dedicated to sharing folks' stories, their passions, their struggles, and their experiences building up to where they are now. The hope here is to relate to you all in a way that provides you not only great listening, but a source of inspiration to move forward and a toolbox for you to reach into to help you reach your own goals. To do this, we source folks from various communities to share their experiences, and today I'm excited to have Mr. Baker Levitt. Baker's been involved in a lot of the business development capacities, and I'm stoked to be recording because honestly, if I wasn't, I would be frantically taking notes. So rather than me steal your intro, Baker, man, do you mind just giving yourself an introduction, who you are and what you're up to? Uh, My name is Baker Levitt. I am the director, sort of manager, sort of, I don't know the title yet officially, of hunting for Black Rifle Coffee. I also do all the Twitter stuff for Black Rifle and the powers that be over there. And then um, I own a marketing company called Digital Mongoose. And I, uh, my company runs the social media for parts of all of or parts of the social media for about two dozen companies. Most of them are in the outdoor space. I've started a couple companies, sold them, made some money, lost money uh, and everything in between. And um, yeah, love to hunt, been all over the world, hunted on four continents and like 20 something states and yeah i mean just i'm not good at i'm good at answering questions and when something piques my interest i'm good at talking about myself but like on cue no i can't just rattle off anything interesting but if you start talking i'll probably cut you off and interrupt you (laughs) all right so how did you get a better story have you always grown up hunting then i mean to be the the lead dude for you know black rifle for hunting i feel like is uh i i almost feel fairly prestigious um that's an interesting I wouldn't like, so here, this is basically my story with Black Rifle. So I got a call. So there's a drink company called Killcliffe, and I'm one of the guys that helped started that company. Uh, I, I was in at NYU studying Arabic at the time. This was in 2011. And um, I had, I worked at Killcliffe for about seven, eight years. And like the, and I'd probably took on some venture capital, uh, the wrong venture capital. And uh, the, Am I allowed to like just be completely honest in this yeah, podcast? I don't care. You can swear whatever you want, man. Dude, so we took on venture capital. And when you have a company, especially a company like an RTD, which stands for ready to drink, you, you have to take on money to grow. Like you just have to. And we took on the wrong venture capital. We took money from a company called Sherbrooke out of Boston. And they were complete and total morons. Idiots. Their entire goal the entire time was to take control of the company. Well, they finally got control of the company and it started to do this. And they brought in a CEO. He's a beta pussy. Okay. Killcliffe is great now. The guy in charge, his name is John Timar. He was a former SEAL. Timar is awesome. Brinkus is great. GW is the man. Like they got their shit together. Everything's going great now. But during that time when they brought in that beta, poor excuse for an actual man, um, who actually turned his nose up at Black Rifle Coffee. Evan, when Evan Black Rifle was brand new, like Evan Hafer sat in his office and gave him his spiel and he had no interest in what Evan had to say. Now, you know, he's working for some candy company and Evan's 
running a billion dollar brand. So, um, but I, had, I, I was the last person at Killcliffe. Okay. I was the last man there, but the year before things started to really go downhill, Jared Taylor called me and they were making this movie called range 15 and they wanted Killcliffe to be a sponsor. And so the cure for turning into a zombie in the movie was shoving a can of Killcliffe in your butt and chugging some lead slingers whiskey. <laughs> and that's how I met Evan Hafer and the guys It's through basically through our involvement in um, Killcliffe through your butt. Right. So I, I had been hanging around with them from the very beginning. Like I think within the first year of black rifle existing, I became friends with them and started hanging out. And then a couple years, you know, I, I left Killcliffe after I'd been there, I think about two years too long and started digital models. And so I've I'd been consulting with Black Rifle as a paid consultant for, I would say, probably five of the seven years that the company existed, you know, give or take six months or whatever. And, uh, you know, the things that I am good at, like, like I'm not taking response. I'm not responsible for really any of the success at Black Rifle. But like I've had my shoulder in the back of that vehicle, helping push it up the hill from from the beginning. And I'm proud to have been associated with the company for all these years. But as the company is expanding, like I really just kind of my time where I think my skill set is will be will be helpful there is now. So I'm I'm basically uh, I'm a I'm full time there uh, for the most part. Now, I mean, I was in Texas meeting with Molly, who's like the de facto CMO, and we went over everything. And this is what she's like, this is what I want you to do. And I was like, this is what I can do. And this is how I want to do it. I mean, everyone over there is an avid hunter. I just know the space. Like I've, I've been, I, just, I really know the space over there. Uh, I mean, this, I know, I know the company, I know the brand, I know the do's and don'ts. Like, you know, I've been an Evan Hay, Evan Hafer's a dear friend of mine. I've been a fan of his since the first day I met him. Like he's just a really interesting person to be friends with, to know, to hang out, spend time with, and to observe and watch him grow and the company grow. So the, the time for me when I can actually make an impact on the company and have my, for lack of a better phrase, legacy associated with the brand is now. Okay. And helping it expand into the hunting space. So yeah. when you talk about, um, I guess, identifying your ability and skill and the I guess the, the things that you've got now to help impact the company, how do you feel like you were able to identify those things and say, Hey, with confidence, I can say, this is where I would be most impactful to you guys. So the guy that's, so I figured out, like I've always been very, very self-aware of my shortcomings and my skills. Like you want to know what I'm good at? Sit down and I'll tell you, you want to know what I'm bad at? Sit down and I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, and I guess for me, maturing, which some people would laugh, but like, as I've, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've kind of some things in the way I do things have slowed down and, and, and kind of changed. And I've figured out to how to approach things. You know, when I started my company in 2017, one of the things Evan Hafer said to me is like, try to be a little more diplomatic with the way you deal with people. Like, <laughs> okay, that works. But like, if there's 10, 10 skill sets in business, like, I think I'm off the charts in three of them. Like, I mean, as good as it gets. I think I'm average to good in four and I'm a subhuman in three. <laughs> okay. Like, like, I mean, like, like middle school dropout level equivalency in three skill sets, average okay. to good in uh, average in two, good in two, world-class in three. Yeah. Um, Have you had to coach anybody on being able to identify their own shortcomings or strengths at all? 
Yeah, I have a really interesting way of doing that. Okay. And it goes like this. Sit down and shut the fuck up and listen to what the fuck I'm about to say to you. You're fucking up. Here's how you're fucking up. Like, I, I don't have a problem telling people where they're... So, um, it's interesting. Like, if you look at... And, like, if, to be good at marketing, like, you really need to be... A, you're a salesperson, okay? And I think I'm a very, very good salesperson, especially if I have a superior pro- product at a better price. Like, you've heard the saying, can sell ice to Eskimos. I can't do that, but I can sell fire to them faster than anybody because they need fire. They don't need ice. Eskimos. The best sales guy, the best salespeople are college athletes, which I was. And the reason they're the best salespeople is because they have a win at all cost mindset. They're used to having a foot shoved up their ass when they make a mistake and they have thicker skin. So I've always talked to people and treated people the way that I want to be spoken to and the way that I want to be treated. If I'm fucking up, I want you to tell me. I don't want you to take a passive aggressive approach to that. I want you to say, hey, Baker, stop fucking doing that. You're fucking shit up. Like, that's like, get my attention. Don't be like, hey, man, it'd be super nice if you could maybe not do that. Like, that, that, that doesn't register with me. Like, you don't get my attention. So, yeah, I don't have a problem. I don't seek out people to mentor them. Like, I just, hey, man, do this. Or, hey, man, here's a piece of advice. You know, maybe try doing this or like give an example. There's a guy on Twitter um, who does film work and breaks down films for and covers the University of Georgia football for Sports Illustrated. His name is Brooks Austin. And Brooks is phenomenal at what he does. And he he started a Patreon account where he does in-depth film analysis And he breaks the film down into layman's terms. So I played football in college. I understand it. But he breaks it down for the the average fan, like talks about like, okay, he points out things in the offensive line, wide receivers, quarterbacks, drop steps, all kinds of shit, like just how the plays work, how they develop, reading defenses. He's great. But occasionally he delves into politics on Twitter. Like he takes a social justice position and it's like, hey, Brooks, like he, he reached out to me for like, monetizing his channel and sponsorship, like any advice. I was like, yeah, dude, like, let me, I'll help you out. But I told him, I said, you are as good a talent as I've seen this year. Like, I think it's phenomenal what you're doing. I said, I think your downfall is going to be when you delve into the social justice world of politics, because it turns people off. And I was like, I'm one of those people. Like, I love what you do. But when you start talking about social justice stuff, it's like, eh, I, I want to hear about football, dude. I don't give a shit about your opinion on someone's skin color. Like, I don't fucking care. You know, Um, so I give advice like that when I see something or someone that I like, I want to see them succeed. I will speak up. But like I'm not one of those like self-help fucking losers. I think those people are fucking losers. Like they're like, oh, this self-help this and they gaslight people and they're always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to my seminar and I'll teach you how to make money and get rich. And like, here's a picture of me in a Rolex and look at this private plane I'm on. It's like. That's cool, man. But like, I want to know, what did you do in your 20s, 30s and 40s that made you so successful? Or have you tricked a bunch of dumbasses to come listen to you because you get all you start screaming and get people worked up and they pay to get your business advice. But what is your business? Yeah. Like what you're mentoring me, but like, what is your business? How many companies have you started and sold? And and I'm not talking about like a company where you are like a, a life coach. Fuck that shit. I want to know. Have you ever had a company that shipped product? You had to work and understand logistics and operations and advanced corporate finance. Like, what is your business? Like, that's not mentoring to me. That's, that's, that, that's, 
that's cheerleading and gaslighting and getting people worked up and and like anytime you see someone posting a lot of photos of how much money they have or their Rolex or whatever, it's like steer clear. Okay. Like black rifle coffee is a billion dollar brand. You will never ever see Evan Hafer or Matt best post anything flashy. Yeah. Not ever. Like, in fact, we make fun of those people. I have two Rolexes. I don't know when the last time was I put one of them on. I, <laughs> no fear of getting reamed. I have my father's and I have, I have one uh, that I bought when I was in real estate and I closed my first million dollar deal and I thought I was a badass and I went and I bought, it's like five or $6,000 Rolex watch. Still have it, but they keep shitty time and it's like, I just, when I see someone bebopping around Rolex, it's like, man, why are you wearing a Rolex? They keep bad time. It's a stupid watch. It's not, it's not even a good watch. It just means like, yeah, I spent six grand on a watch. Yeah, it's a like, showpiece. It's not a, it's not a Patek Philippe. It's not like a 20000 Like that's, that's, that's elite. Sure. It's just, you know, so like always be wary of, of that. Like people offering mentor advice or like seeking you out to mentor you. Just be wary of those people. Like they always have, there's always an angle or like, you know, they're always an author. They're an author, book, they've done some books, presentations, like they use terms like millionaire a lot and closer or it's always just be careful of those people. Anybody listening, okay. run like a striped ass gorilla from anyone that is going to teach you how to make money because it's like, that's just not how it works, man. Like if you have a legit business and you're doing and creating a product and providing a service outside of self-help, like what'd you, what you, like, yeah, whatever. More, okay. More. So in, in your... In your opinion, then, what would be the definition of, of a mentor then? Like if somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, would you be my mentor? What would be like, okay, this what is how my I would... answer. Yep. My answer would be no, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not going to, I think that's, I think it's weird. If you like, no, because there's no silver bullet. Like there's no one person that has all the answers. No, like, not at all. For example, like, like Evan, and I always, you know, I know I keep talking about it, but like, I would call Evan and be like, Hey man, I need like, I'll send him a text. Like, Hey dude, do you have a second? I, I need a question on how to solve something or I want to get your take on how I should approach something. And he always answers me. Like he always, he'll either call me or yeah, give me a call. And that's mentorship to me. It's like, I have, there's probably a dozen people on this planet that I would consider by society's definition. They're not, they're part-time mentors to me, but we've never, exchanged the, that word has never crossed paths between the two of us. Like I would never be like, yeah, Evan, thanks for mentoring me. Or like Evan's my mentor or will you be my mentor? No, that's stupid. Like it just ask questions, but Hey man, how would you approach this? How do I deal with this? Like I have a client that's like four months behind on paying their invoice. And like, I'm about to lose my mind. I'm not going to name their name. I should, but I'm not going to, but like, that's something I would reach out to like, everybody. Like, hey dude, like, how do I handle this? Because that's a tricky situation for me because I have, so I have, I always, I have this, there's this thing called Euclidean math space and I have a tattoo. Oh, I can't pull this sleeve up high enough, but right here, I have the Euclidean math space tattooed on my arm. It's about that big. It looks like an R cubed. Um, And I, I would love to put that company on blast on your podcast and light them up. But how does that affect the people above me and the people below me in relationships past and forward so there's like second third and fourth order effects like okay if i I, it would make me feel better to talk shit about them but that's a fleet it's fleeting it doesn't solve my problem 
Right. It probably makes my problem worse. It compounds the issue. And does like, would Evan get a phone call? Like, Hey man, what's going on? Why is Baker mad at us? Does, do I want him to deal with that? Does it, does, does Matt best phone ring from the CEO of this company? Cause they're friends. And like, he has to deal with shit. Like you don't ever want to be a distraction. So like, you can't think about like immediate, like how would this affect every, like this will make me feel better right now. And I think that's one of the problems in society today is that people, they want instantaneous gratification. Fuck that company, man. I feel better for saying that on a podcast. I hope they hear it. Okay. But that doesn't do anything. No, it doesn't. It makes my problem worse actually. You know? Um, so mint, I don't, the whole, I just don't like la- the label mentor. I think it's like super cheesy. I think it's really cheesy. Yeah. Um, it is. My, my advice on, on the, the mentor thing is have people that you can reach out to. And you have, that's another thing with like relationships. You have to cultivate that relationship to where you're not blowing their phone up and you're not, you just always be super fucking conscious of, of other people's time. And, and mentors can be older than you. They can be younger than you. They can be more successful. They can be less successful. Like there are people that I would reach out to that I make infinitely more money than them. I'm way more successful financially than them. However, their knowledge base is so far greater than mine in that one specific field, but they are mentor like in the hunting space or something. There's, I know tons of people that I reach out to, not tons, but there's people I reach out to, but like, um, you always just always be conscious. And there's a, there's a thing, the, what's the value proposition for your mentor or the person that you're using for advice? What's the value proposition there? What's in it for them? There's a deal taking place. I'm getting something out of you. What's the value for them? You know, yeah. is it that they feel good about helping someone or answering that question? Or there's also third party validation. It's like, holy shit, you know, this dude's calling me to ask me for my opinion on something. And most of the time that's enough, but don't tax them. Don't, don't, don't. I'm very, very, very particular about how often and when I reach out to Evan. And it is very rare because I want to make sure that when I do reach out, it's not like I'm not sending him stupid shit. Oh man, look at this meme or things like that. It's like, I just I want to make sure that I, he is a resource for me and a friend that I can get the information or his advice on things. Okay. Same with Matt Best. Matt, so, if, anything involving music or like uh, I would reach out to Matt, like if I had a music question or something, I would reach out to Matt. Or if it's a, like an MMA thing, Matt's a super big like UFC mixed martial arts MMA guy fan. I'll ask him. I've also GW, good winner, Garrison, GW. So one of the guys that started Kill Cliff uh, together, anything in fight related, I'm going to reach out to him or BJJ because he's a multi-time world champ. Hey man, who do you think is going to win this fight? And then, uh, you know, and just leave it at that. Okay. You know, be cool about it. So I, I have a question then when it comes to cultivating those relationships, let's say, let's say you've identified somebody like, or like myself, right. Starting this podcast, you know, I'm mm-hmm. starting to identify people that, I would like to look to for guidance, right? Let's say I don't know somebody, but I know that they're successful. I've never had a personal interaction. Do you have people that reach out to you? And, and how would you su- suggest folks like myself go reach out to people for help in some way, shape or form? You cultivate relationships. So I've always, I've never been about myself. I've always, I'm very much a team player. Like I've always been like, let's accomplish the mission. And I, like, I have this saying, like, I would rather create the news than be the news. There are two totally different people in this world. News people that report the news and, or, and there's people that are the news. 
I don't ever want to be the news. I don't ever want to be the guy that's, that's in front of the camera. I, I've been in front of the camera plenty of times and I've hosted plenty of podcasts, but like, I just, I try to, and sometimes dude, it, like it, 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 people think it's weird. Like they think I'm out to get something from them by making introductions. Hey man, you guys, you should talk to this person and you should talk to this person or like, Hey dude, they, I'll give you an example and hopefully this doesn't bite me in the ass. I think John Dudley, mine and John Dudley's relationship. I think that Dudley initially thought that I was like not trying to use him, but like I was trying to get something out of knowing him, using him at, to my advantage, which was never the case at all. And I've introduced him to a couple companies that he works with. And I, you know, it's, it's just, I think, and I think he's been burned a lot, but like, I think that there are people that people like me, I kind of shock them a little bit. It's like, Hey dude, like they're doing this giveaway or, or, or there's an optics company. Here's an example, John Dudley. There's an optics company, but like, uh, I remember a couple of years ago, he, he didn't have an optics sponsor. And I was talking to the people over at Loop and I was like, Hey, I was like, I was like, I was like, Dudley, do you have an optics sponsor? He's like, no. He's like, I just use, you know, whatever. I was like, oh, okay. And I, I reached out to Leupold. I was like, hey, why are you guys not working with Dudley? And they were, I, I, don't, I don't know what conversation they had, but like, I think he's now working with him in an official capacity, you know? And, uh, but yeah, like, like stuff like that, like doing things, it's like servant leadership, like doing things for others and not and expecting nothing in return. I think it's very rare. Now, the fact that, that Leupold and Dudley are working together now, like, I think that's super cool. I think they're working together. I hope I'm not telling stories outside of school, but that's like cool because in my head, it's like, Hey man, like I, I helped a little bit there. I helped a company that I liked and I helped a dude that I consider a friend, you know? And it's like, you're rolling a fucking boulder up a mountain. And it's like, I don't mind putting my shoulder in your boulder and helping you roll it up the hill. And I don't need anything in return. I just want to get to a point in life where like, if, for example, like I need someone help, need someone to help me roll my boulder up a hill, I can make that phone call. And I know that with Dudley, I can call him now and be like, hey, man, if I needed something, hey, man, I need some help, dude. Can you help me out with this? Or can you, you know, like whatever, whatever. I think probably one of the ones, and, and Matt Best will tell you this, like Matt will say, I have never asked him for anything in my life. I'm going to one day, like I'm going to need a fucking kidney or some shit and be like, hey, man. I need you to post on your Facebook that Baker needs a kidney donation, you know? So you've got to save those things. But like, um, yeah. I, and I think that that's basically how I've kind of gotten to where I am is doing a lot of cool stuff for a lot of cool people. And it takes time. It, you can't just like spend six months doing cool shit for people and expect all of a sudden you are where I am and you have the relationships I do. It takes a long time to get people to understand that like you're just there for goodwill. Because nine times out of 10, man, like the initial reaction is like, hey, man, why is this guy doing this for us? What's he like? What's what's his angle? He's working at angle. Someone's like, what's you know what I mean? And it just it's taken me years to do this and get to where I am to where I can, you know. So how, how do you feel like you've, uh, I guess, developed that air of transparency? Because that's not an easy thing to do. Right. Everybody, I think, is, to your point, fairly skeptical of people that I hate to say good natured, but good natured. So how, how do you feel like you've overcome that? not giving a fuck what anybody thinks. Yeah. As long as I've justified what I'm doing in my head, I don't care what people think of me. I really don't. And I've made mistakes. Like if I do something stupid, like I'll, um, I, I beat myself up, but like 
if I'm doing something for the right reason and I'm not looking to, for anything in return and someone has a problem with that, like now they can go fuck themselves from the bottom of my soul. Fuck them. I don't care. I, I don't give a shit. There's, I've got enough people that'll vouch for me that, that are decision makers and can move mountains that will vouch for me. I don't give a shit. Okay. So the value proposition piece you mentioned, right. When you, when you start to work with somebody to present a value proposition, right. You know, I, I feel like I generally understand kind of what you're getting at, but to your point, if I'm not getting anything out of it and you come to somebody and say, Hey, let me do something for you. How do you, I guess, to your point, right. Like you can justify it to yourself fairly easily, right. And say, Hey, I'm doing this because I want to yada, yada. How do you have to convince somebody else of that value as well? That seems like a dumb question, but do you have to, do you have to sell it to somebody at all? No, no, I don't beg people to know. Like, so 99% of the, I don't really associate with dumb people. Most of the people, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't operate or interact with low level stuff. Like the companies that I work with and the companies that I'm tight and friends with and, you know, are all high level people that, that, that think in 3d and they understand things. Okay. And, and I think I've got a good enough reputation where they know I'm not going to pitch something to them that's stupid. And I don't talk anyone into anything. Like I'll be like, Hey man, you guys should work with this dude. Like he's great. Or you should talk to him. If you don't do it, that, 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 that insults me like insulting. It's, I don't, I don't like that word. Um, I take that as like a, you're dismissing me. And if you dismiss me too many times, or usually more than once, like the, I turn the faucet off. Faucet gets turned off. And I'll throw stuff out there to you, like constantly. And, and ultimately, like, ultimately, those companies, like they all end up wanting to work with me in some capacity uh, as a consultant or whatever. So like I, my, I have a very mathematical brain. Like, and and I'm, I'm like, things are, it, I'm, I'm, my life is binary as it gets. It's the best thing ever or it is the worst. There's no like, oh, it was okay. It's like, it fucking sucked. Or man, that was fucking awesome. Like I operate in extremes and it, it, my energy is contagious. Like I get really worked up about stuff, super excited about stuff. And it's like, I, I remember when I was in real estate in the early 2000s, I had, a, and I had a client. He goes, I have no idea if what you're telling me is complete bullshit, but I know that you believe what you're saying. So we're going to go with you. <laughs> you know? And that always stuck out to me. Like, yeah, I don't, and if it's a bad decision or something or I'm questioning it, like this happened with Eastman's the other day. I, I said, I can Scott Reekers a text. And I was like, I think this is a stupid ass idea, but I'm going to shoot it over to you anyway. And I sent it over and their response was, yeah, we tried that. It didn't work. And here's why. And I was like, yeah, like I said, it's a stupid ass idea. So, but yeah, I'm, I think, did that answer your question? I think so. I think so. So the value proposition comes from 3D thinking, rapport, and I guess conviction, really, well, like whether sorry, you believe in something. I, this, this will sum up the value proposition concept really simply. So you open your email inbox and you got a shitload of emails in there, right? More now are probably shit spam because you're on LinkedIn. So what is the value proposition for me opening your email and not reporting it as spam and unsubscribing? There's the value proposition. That is, and that was taught to me by Evan Hafer. That's the value proposition. I'm opening your spammy ass email that I didn't ask for. What's in it for me? And that is, that's like, so there's a lot of companies, man, that like will just mega blast, mega blast 
emails. They don't give a shit. They'll, they'll fire them some bitches off every day because all they care about is sales. Like, okay, I send email. Okay, if I send a thousand emails, it's going to generate a hundred hits to the website. And of those hundred hits, 20 of them will result in a sale. So a thousand, a hundred, 20. Okay. There's my open rate, my conversion rate. Okay. Fuck it. Let's send a hundred thousand emails. <laughs> but see, they're not thinking in 3D. They're not. They're thinking like that's that's such a linear that, that is a linear thought progression. And that that fucking infuriates me. It's like you stupid motherfucker, man. Like that's how you that's how you want to run your business. And I, I, I sound like the biggest cheerleader for Evan Hayfern. You know, I don't give a fuck. But like it's always providing value to your customers because that is the most important thing in the world. Okay. And like one off shit fucks up a hundred attaboys. Okay. And care about the emails you send. Don't just fire off a bunch of dog shit because you're looking at it like, Oh, how much does it result in sales? Well, what I want to know is what's the open rate? How many, what's, what's your open rate? How many people are open in your shit emails? And so Black Rifle, they're super high because we put an insane amount of time and energy and effort into our emails. They're fantastic, man. They're fantastic. I'll tell you another example. There's a company called Vori, which is weird because I had a call. I was at a call with the, the guys at Seek One. They, um, they do a lot of urban deer hunting. And I was making my notes on my <laughs> Vori catalog. And if you'll look at these people, like I drew weird shit on their faces and stuff. And I I, I opened every single email I get from that company because it's the only shorts. I, it's the only shorts I've bought in the past six months. Okay. And so I open their emails and the, what's the value proposition. It's not that they have fantastic emails. It's they sell a fucking awesome product. And I'm waiting on the five inch inseams. The shorts that I wear, it has a five inch inseam. I wear short shorts. I want to see them. Some bitches on sale or a new style. Cause guess what? <laughs> I'm going to buy them. Right. And that's why I open their emails every day. And I open Black Rifles emails every day because I think they're awesome and they're cool as shit. And I know there's going to be something badass in there from Coffee or Die. There's going to be an epic article. I'm going to read it. So that's the value proposition. Like, don't just try to get money out of your customers. Give them something. Because like Richard Ryan, uh, I do, I'm heavily, heavily invested in crypto now, thanks to Richard Ryan. And Richard, he asked me this. He said, do you want money in 30 days or three years? And the, what's the answer? That I, so when I talk to people about crypto now, I always ask them, like, so what are you trying to do? You're trying to get money in 30 days or, thir- or three years. What is it? Like, do you want to be a fucking loser and wear a Rolex and take a picture in front of a private jet, you know, or, and try and pretend that you have this luxurious lifestyle? Like, is that what your goal is? Or are you trying to build long-term wealth so that you can retire or do fun things that you want to do, okay. you know? So it's, think long-term. Like, if I tell this guy to go fuck himself, I feel better just, just for saying that. But what are the second, third, and fourth order effects? And if you're in it, listen, man, here's another piece of advice. If you're in an industry, do not ever burn bridges because no matter what you think or how much you hate someone or hate a company or hate a brand, you are going to have to do business with them again. Because guys in the hunting industry, we'll use hunting or or the firearms industry, guys in the hunting or firearms industry stay in the hunting and firearms industry. So at some point, they're going to be at another company. You might be too. And you're going to have to try and figure out a way to work with them. However, you told that guy to fuck off at his old job. You got him in trouble. 
he's never going to forget that. Right. So think long term and think in 3D. Okay. Can we talk about that 3D piece a little bit? So I, I'm familiar of thinking second, third and fourth order effects, uh -huh. right? You know, at one point that was literally like my job. How do you, is there like a map that you think through? Like if you, like, let's say you wanted to rip somebody a new one, right? Like, Hey, if I do that, I need to think about these things. Do you have a process that you go through yeah. before you make a decision? Normally it's don't do my immediate, my initial reaction. <laughs> okay. It, that's fair. Tell someone to fuck off and cuss somebody out or, or put them on blast on social. That's my normal initial reaction is cause them pain. Now I don't do that. I typed a text last night to, to two people that I didn't hit send and, you know, I woke up glad that I didn't send it. You know, it's like, don't rub the bottle if you don't want the genie to come out. Cause once the genie's out of the bottle, she doesn't go back in, mm -mm. you know, are you prepared to make your three wishes? So um, it's like, yeah. So, okay. If I do this, does it track back to Evan and black rifle that's above me? Does it affect my employees, the people that work for me? The answer to that is usually no, because they're anonymous and no one knows who they are. Um, and then can it change the past? So can it alter a past relationship? How does it affect the future going forward? So the main things are the North Star and going forward. Those are the main two that, that, that I focus on. Like, and then the other two are really, the one below me, South, doesn't really fall into it. But I, occasionally I'm like, eh. Are they going to catch shit? Are they going to hear it on social channels from companies that we work with? You know? So yeah, I do think of that, but yeah, that's, it's not, no, it's not a, it's, it's more like instantaneously. And here's the thing, man, like nine times out of 10, I already know the answer. I don't need to think about it. It's like, it's an instantaneous thing. It's like, ah, okay. Yeah. I know how that's going to work out. <laughs> I've just been doing it a while, you yeah. know? Okay. That's fair. And then, but then there's times, man, where it's like, I don't care about the fucking consequences. And that's when I'm like, I need to take a step back and chill the fuck out. Do I want to get on a plane and go stab someone in the ass with a, with a number two pencil? Yeah, a lot. Do I want to, you know, punch people? Not in the, I don't want to like, I don't, like I get frustrated with people and I don't want to like, I want to beat their ass, but it's more like body shots and like punch them in the butt cheeks really fucking hard. <laughs> you know, I don't want to knock anybody out. They hit their head. I don't, I'm not a bully, but like there are people I would beat the shit out of their ass cheeks with my fist. Like, I mean, just raining down fucking hell just pummeling their butt <laughs> why are you walking that way a baker flew up here and beat my ass literally you know what i mean yeah okay yeah and i feel like i have all of these things then led into how you're or what you're doing now doing the uh the director of hunting yeah director community manager we haven't landed on a title yet but i, I i'm i'm pushing hard for it to be director not because not because I want like increased compensation that comes with the title, but it's more the authority. It's more the authority sure. and it's not authority within the company. It's authority when speaking to others. Yeah. So, Hey, I'm Baker. This is director of hunting for black rifle. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, Which sounds uh, fucking awesome. Yeah. Okay. It, so I mean, it, listen, dude, like that's the thing with black rifle, man. Like I am telling you right now, man, people, like you see all those guys running around posting pics with their Rolexes and talking about, you know, living this fucking luxurious lifestyle. Evan Hafer will buy and sell those motherfuckers like any day of the week. I, I, I promise you. Yeah. I'm not kidding. A true CEO doesn't have time to do that because the true CEO is constantly putting out fires. Yeah. Dude, I, listen, that job sounds real fucking cool, man. Oh, and CEO flew on a private jet this week. No, dude. 
that's the only thing you did that was remotely fun. And you were yeah. in panic the entire time you were on that private jet because you knew that you had 19 texts that you didn't answer before you took off. And you probably got a hundred other problems that you have to deal with the moment you land. So like I, anyone listening, like being the CEO of a, of, a, of a company that's in the hundreds of millions of sales, that is a nightmare job. Nightmare. There's no days off. Your phone never gets turned off. It's seven days a week, 365 days a year. And in Evan Haper's case, he's been doing that. He, Evan has started taking some vacations the past two years, but like the first five years of the company, like when I say this, this is not a joke. Like the dude works seven days a week. So did Matt. So does Logan. Seven days a week. You don't stop. They don't have vacations. I mean, you see stuff on social and it looks like they're just living the life of Riley, you know, just jet set. But that ain't, that's not the case for him. Like, going to store openings, being on planes constantly, traveling to meetings, you got board meetings, you got to answer to investors. You've got, you know, multiple offices. We have three roasting, sorry, roasting. We've got a roasting facility in Salt Lake City. We've got a roasting facility in Manchester, Tennessee. And then we've got our marketing headquarters, which is down in San Antonio, Texas, going to store openings, planning store openings. Like it, it just never ends. High level financing, understanding high level financing, high level accounting. Like it never, ever ends, ever. It doesn't stop. Yeah. I'm like processing kind of thinking because uh, even since I started this show, to your point, it's nonstop, right? I, so I have my full-time job in addition to this. And it's like, all of a sudden I've got no spare time. <laughs> okay. Now, now pretend that you have a company that has 500, over 500 employees. Oh, I can't even do, imagine. And we'll, do a, and we'll do a quarter of a billion dollars in sales this year. Yeah. I mean, five, dude, 500 plus employees. Yeah. In three locations, plus the remote employees. Like, think, let that sink in for a second. Yeah, I hard pass. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, so it's like, um, I sometimes like to compare it to like being a cop or being a firefighter. People love firefighters. People talk shit about cops. And, you know, like people call firefighters when they need help, you know? And they're grateful. Oh my God, you helped me. Like, you know, and most of firefighter call outs are for like medical purposes and shit like, you know, ambulance and EMT and paramedic stuff. Cops get called when shit's going sideways and they got to come solve a problem and someone's got to be the bad guy. So it's like, it, it, imagine like every call was for like, just a, was a problem. No one ever says, okay, hey man, just giving you a heads up, man, things are great today. That doesn't happen as a big CEO. Like it's, hey man, let me tell you what's going wrong today. You know, just never ending. Have you, have you learned anything as far as like being able to prioritize work or when let's say you've got your 19 fires going on, right? Do you look at it with the same type of value proposition and say, Hey, this might take me two hours to fix versus this one that might take 30, but I need to focus on this because it's, I guess, more, more revenue in the case of business. I I'm, I'm in a very lucky position because I don't, the only person who's in a position in my organization to cause a problem is me. <laughs> and I and 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 I am very I'm lucky enough to where I don't have two hour problems. My stuff is super simple, super fast fixes. Pull something down, put something else back up. Things like that. I, I have a hard time like doing the things that I don't like to do. Sometimes like I have to be motivated to like you know send detailed email, detailed emails and shit like that. That's annoying. But yeah, I'm I got it made. I I I am, I am honestly one of the luckiest people that I know. Okay. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what you do now? And then, you know, kind of, how, I guess we've talked about how you got here, but maybe talking about what you do now and then what advice you would have for people that might want to 
fill your shoes 10 years down the road? Let's start on the second part. If you want to do, so what I do uh, for Black Rifle is strategy-based. These like, so for example, um, and Mike and Greg, Greg called me about this at Everly and it's hunting. He's like, I want to start focusing on whitetails. That's very good, Greg, because there's more whitetail hunters than every, there's more, there's dude, there's more hunting licenses sold in Pennsylvania and Michigan than like all Western states combined. Like it's not even, there's no comparison. So you want to fish where the fish are biting. So, but it's hard to quantify and define the whitetail community because it's so big, it's so vast. It stretches, honestly, man, it's coast to coast, but it's primarily East Coast based. And you got different styles of hunters and all that stuff. And it's just, it's a different animal versus elk, which is you're out bugling and interacting with this majestic beast and yada, yada, yada. And filming elk hunting is, is one-tenth as hard as filming a whitetail hunt. You know, especially in the South, getting a big whitetail buck on camera, complete, totally different world, man. Completely different animal than hunting out West. So it's all, it's kind of strategy-based and it's like, okay, I want to focus on some whitetail influencers. I want to make these changes within our influencer program. We should be doing this, this, and this. I'd like to do this. I'd love to see this. Like it's strategy. And the cool thing about Black Rifle and Evan and Logan and Matt and all those guys is like, once you kind of like do a little shift them in the right direction, you know, or kind of give them an idea or some information to build on, then you're off to the races. And so that's basically what I'm doing. It's like, actually, no, don't take this right. Take the next right. Oh shit. Okay. It's a shortcut. Oh, okay, cool, man. Thanks. That's, that's kind of strategy based and, and implementing some programs and like, you know, I, we're, we're partners with Bass Pro and we're in all the Bass Pro shops and it's like, okay, well, where are most of your Bass Pro shops? What's the distribution look like? There are more Bass Pro shops in the South or the Northwest, Northwest, which one is it? You know what I mean? So um, we want to drive customers into the, into those retail things. And then, you know, with the fishing, Paul Bork, who, who's, who basically has, my job, but in the fishing space, you know, it's like we were, we're I'm the one that brought in the black rifle. I introduced him. He's a great friend of mine. I talk to him on the phone every day. Um, super knowledgeable in the fishing space. And what's interesting is that there's overlap. So if someone's going to shoot a deer, if someone is willing to kill a deer, you think they're willing to catch a fish? Yeah, for sure. If someone's willing to catch a fish, are they willing to kill a deer? Not necessarily, not all the time, but probably, you know. Right. Good so, um it's, it's just strategy and it's mostly it's come from just being in a position to kind of observe a lot of stuff at the company, you know, like for the, I've always been like the inner circle of friends. Like I haven't always been like the inner circle of the business, like how the business is run. That's just not my, my role there. Um, but now my time is that I think I can actually have a very positive impact on that company. And that's why I'm making the pivot, doing what I'm doing, but that's just literally, it just takes time. And none of this stuff happens overnight. And you have to be willing to make changes. I was in real estate for 10 years. I, ki- I killed it. I absolutely, I made more money than I could spend that I knew what to do with. And then everything went away because the market crashed, the housing market crashed. I lost everything. So I felt sorry for myself for about 48 hours. And I decided I was going to go get a master's degree in Arabic and then go work for the government overseas and stuff. So, and I got to NYU in New York City. And then, what was September? Five months later, I started a CrossFit apparel company called Tupud that I sold three years ago. I owned it for, owned it for 10 years, uh, right, just, just south of 10 years. And then, and then in January of uh, 2000, we started that in December of 2010. And then January 23rd or 24th of 2011, we started Kilcliffe. So I changed my, my plan changed. I didn't 
want to speak Arabic and go work overseas. I wanted to make money again. You know, I wanted to be successful. I wanted to have, you know, start companies, sell companies and stuff. Yeah. So you have to be willing to change your plans like immediately. Like you can change your plans as fast as you can change your underwear. And anyone that's like, that's my plan and I'm sticking to it, run from that person because they're stupid. Okay. Did you, know? you have a hard time changing? Like, cause that's, those are no. big shifts. Hell too. no. New, super easy for me. Cause it was the right move. Now, if it was the wrong move, it probably would have been a challenge, but I knew it wasn't, it was the right move. It was the move. How, how did you determine that was the right move? Was it intuitive or did you sit down and you're like, here's my 3d thinking. Here's where it's fucking perfect. That was before I figured out 3d thinking. Okay. Um, that was when I was still a bull in a China shop. I just, it was it started making more and more sense. Cause like normally like when you start a company, you don't like, you'll hear people say like, Oh, we started this business and it's going to do this. It's going to do that. Bullshit. Most of them don't. I was like, with two put, I was like, Oh, I love CrossFit. I compete in CrossFit. It's phenomenal. This will make sense. And it kind of started getting legs and it created it, it, two put had its own, like we created a customer base and a loyal following and like, we had fans and then we had like our, you know, sponsored athletes and like shit just started taking off and making sense. And I was like, hell yeah. And then with Killcliff, I learned that I could take that customer base from Tupud and transfer it over to Killcliff. So I wasn't starting at zero. I was starting, I introduced a product to an existing customer base. Okay. And so it was like, well, yeah. And then, and then I kind of left Tupud in the dust and focused solely on Killcliff for seven years. And dude, that was, it just, it made sense. And then when the, now I knew I should have left Killcliff two years before I did. And I didn't, that was my fault. That was a mistake. I should have too, but I, I left. And at the same time, that's when I started digital mongoose. So it was funny. Cause like on December 31st was my last day at Killcliff. The next day was the first day of digital mongoose well, January the 3rd. And I was making more money than that day than I did. And I, I did really, really well at Kill Club. I just set myself up for success. Okay. And Digital Mongoose now, you said you manage Twitter accounts and all sorts of other things. Twitter, so Instagram, stuff like that for a bunch of different brands. Okay. That's cool. So when you started working then uh, with Digital Mongoose, what mm -hmm. was the inspiration to kick that off? Social media was good at it. And I'd had, so we built Kill Club's brand off social media and what I learned. And during that time I had companies, people reaching out to me constantly. Hey man, can you help us do what you did there? Can we, can you help us out here? Can you help us out there? How would you do this? And like, I had people ask me questions like about, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then people wanted to hire me. I was like, there's no way I, I would never leave. And then it's like, well, shit, I'll maybe I'll start consulting with these guys. So I started getting consulted uh, by other companies and, that was it. It kind of chose me. I didn't choose it. I never, I've never like, like I never decided to like start a CrossFit apparel company. It kind of found me and the drink company kind of found me and black rifle coffee kind of found me and digital mongoose kind of found me, you know, like that's just kind of how it's always been. Okay. Do you have any parting advice for people that are trying to get into either trying to find somebody to help them out, get direction on their business, their company, taking the next step, maybe, resources on how to think about 3d thinking for instance yeah so focus on what you're good at so like i don't waste my time on my weaknesses 
why would I ever do that? So I can get marginally better at something that I don't like to do? No, absolutely not. Fuck that. I focus on the things that I'm good at because that plays and caters to my ego. And if I'm catering to my ego and things that I'm good at, I'm going to perform really well at it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. versus like the people that are like, oh, you know, I'm working every day on this. It's like, why you fucking suck at it? You were, it's never, it's never going to be a primary skill. So why work at it? Fuck it. Have someone else do it. Find someone that really likes accounting. I have a great account. I don't fuck with that shit. I'll let her do that. I hate that shit. Drives me crazy. So like, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I'm just working on these things. You know, it's like, no, I don't. That's stupid. That's really stupid. Think about how stupid is that? So you're like, you went from an F minus to an F. Good job. Yeah. So I I, I tell people like, find a way to get paid at what you're good at. Because if what you're good at, you're going to perform well at it because that's what you're good at. You know, don't, don't go, don't, don't go after a job because you think for the wrong reasons, go after it for the right reasons. Yeah. Like your mindset should always be like, Oh my God, I would fucking kill at that. I could do so well at that. You know, like that's how you find a job or a company to work for. Not because, Oh man, black rifle is the coolest fucking thing in the world or Mossberg biggest client. One of my biggest clients. Um, man, I just, man, I love Mossberg shotgun. It's like, no, I, I can, I can, I can run it. I can do it better. Um, but a lot of people think like, oh man, black rifle is so cool. I would love to work there. Well, what would you doing? What, yeah. what do you want to do? Like, what, what, what are you good at? Like, what's your thing? You want to fucking hang out? Cause like, listen, the thing with black rifle, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a great brand. It, but it looks like a lot of fun. Doesn't it? Yeah. It, oh it yeah. hundred percent. It, it is fucking not. It is a lot of hard work. Yeah. I'm serious, man. Like I think black rifle does a, a, a world-class job of making people think that all we do is run around and cut up and drink beer and fart and tell jokes and make videos and shoot guns. That ain't what we do. If if I could get Matt to do one thing, it would be to, for, to record himself editing one of his videos. I'm serious. It's fucking maddening. It's no, dude, it's, it is maddening. Like, um, we, we shot a video at his house a couple of years ago and I was there and like, I remember we sat up and we were like, I think we were, we watched a UFC fight and we did some other stuff. And like, he was editing a video and he played, he, he was, you know, playing the same set, the same five second sequence over like a hundred times getting the sound right. And it's like, dude, like, so it, f- fuck this. Like nobody, <laughs> should, actually no one should ever see that. If you were to see post-production on a video, you'd probably never, it ruin all videos for you the rest of your life. Yeah. I've, uh, so my background's in supply chain, right? So I've done supply chain. I would operations. kill myself. Yeah. And I've thought about, I, it, it. I love, I loved it. Right. But I've thought about it in terms of black rifle. And I was like, yeah, I would, that would be really hard. I <laughs> would take a lot of work. It's massive, dude. Yeah. It's a, it, it is a massive, massive undertaking. Um, yeah, but that, that's the, I mean, that's the thing, like, and don't ever do what, don't ever take a job because someone thinks you should do, do what, it, you know, that saying like, find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's honestly true, but it's going to take you a decade, two decades to figure that out. Yeah. Um, do what you're good at, man. Like if you're, if you're good at singing, go find a job doing, involving singing, you know, or like, as opposed to like, oh, I want this job because it's a lot of money. You don't know if you're going to be good at it. You might hate it. 
Yeah. And then you're, you're just, you're taking time off the clock, you know, valuable time, you know, life's a bit, life's, life's a two minute drill, man. Like seriously, like we're, we're, we're here for a very, very short period of time. So enjoy it. So do something that you like and you're good at because there's really nothing more rewarding in work than like kicking ass, you know? Yeah. Seriously. Like kicking ass at something. You're only going to kick ass at things that you're good at. You're never, ever going to kick ass at things that you're bad at ever. Like not no. ever one in the history of mankind. No one has ever kicked ass at something they suck ass at. Yeah. Because you hate it. You'll never get better at it. And that's why you suck ass at it. Cause you suck. Yeah. You know? Okay. Best parting advice. Don't suck ass. Yeah. Don't, don't, if you suck at something, don't get a job in that field. It's like, if garbage makes you vomit, don't be a fucking garbage man. If, if, if the sight of another person's teeth, make you make you shit your pants and like have a seizure don't be a fucking dentist if you cannot shoot a gun to save your life like you are a horrible shot don't try to get a job as a firing arms instructor common sense man and then occam's razor which is normal i'm a big fan of that but occam's razor is the theory that the most likely solution is normally the right one don't overthink shit and also be likable no one wants to work with regardless of how good you are at your job but when i was at killcliffe and we were killing it I was a horrible and corrigible asshole because I, everyone I thought should be working at my level and doing and accomplishing what I was doing and accomplishing. Like it, like it drove me crazy when people weren't overachieving because uh, it was so easy for me because I loved it. And just be likable. You'll, you'll, you'll keep your job longer. You'll be more successful. You'll make more money if you're likable. Because like you can, there's, there's guys that are like, there are companies I've been fired so one of my first jobs after college was I worked on a dive boat in, in, in the Keys. I worked for South Point Diver, South Point Dive Shop. And I had a job nights working at the Meteor, which was a barbecue restaurant. And I remember the owners from Minnesota pulled me aside. They're like, you are the best employee we've ever had. They're like, you are awesome. You're wonderful. Please keep it up. And then I got fired the next day by the manager. And I was like, why? The owner said I was amazing. They're like, yeah. You make everybody else look bad and all the other employees hate you because they were all scumbag, druggy alcoholics, you know, and I just worked circles around everybody. Like I, I did, like I just killed it and uh, made everybody else look bad. Don't ever humiliate people. That's another piece of advice. Don't ever humiliate someone in front of coworkers ever. Never, not one time. Don't ever do that. I've done that many times and I've always regretted it. Baker, thanks again for taking the time to chat, man. I appreciate your input and straightforward train of thought and advice. I hope everyone listening uh, was able to take away a tidbit of information to improve their life and start instituting some positive change. Uh, That'll sum it up for today's episode. Please take a minute to subscribe and review this podcast. It's going to hugely impact the success, growth, exposure of the show, so please spend a few seconds taking care of that. Did you do it? The answer better be yes. Link down below is going to be uh, Black Rifle's website and also the link to the Vanguard shop. Uh, Please pick up some stuff. I know my wife will appreciate it because right about now, funds are going to be financing some new hardware so I can give her her laptop back. Thanks, guys. Have a kick-ass week, and we'll catch you next time. (laughs) 